Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It's good to be with you again. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please also go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com. You can find old episodes there. And uh, we're over 100 now. I don't recall whether this is, this might be 103. So we've been at this almost two full years. We're grateful for your support. Uh, you can send along an email to me using the contact form on the website, or you can email me directly at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. I always encourage you to do so. Our sponsor is CFS Financial, which is my company that consults primarily with Christian nonprofits all over the country, focusing on Christian schools. We are educators and have financial services expertise. You can read about that on the CFS Financial tab on our website. So today we're going to talk about something uh, that is a little unusual. We've we've been talking about government and economics lately. Uh, last week I talked about the the ideal presidential candidate to me, and I know I repeat some of the same drumbeat that I I uh, talk about uh, week after week. But today I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up a little bit, and I I want to talk about the the FISA court. Uh, it's a F I C A, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or F I S C, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And I I want to talk about that and the U.S. Patriot Act, and we'll talk about what they what they do and and don't do. And what they mean to what they mean to you and to me. So let's let's go back to the beginning. And this this is going to feel a little um, uh, disjointed for a moment because the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act was approved during the Carter administration, the Jimmy Carter administration in nineteen seventy. Eight, I believe it was. It was introduced on May 18th of 1977 by Senator Ted Kennedy, and it was signed into law by President Jimmy Carter on uh, the 25th of October, 1978. It was co-sponsored by nine senators. And it's in and of itself, it's not, it's not a horrible thing. It was really enacted in response to revelations of widespread privacy violations by the federal government under U.S. President Richard Nixon. It required federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies to obtain authorization for gaining foreign intelligence information. So it was all about foreign intelligence, espionage, terrorism, and the like. It established a court called the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And, and that, that court, members of that court, are named, in short, by the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. So John Roberts 
has named all of the individuals who are presently on the court, the FISC court. So it was initially limited to government and use of electronic surveillance. Subsequent amendments, though, have broadened the law to regulate other intelligence gathering methods, including physical searches and so on. And it's really quite interesting. FISA has been repeatedly amended since the 9-11, the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks. And so the, it's interesting, the U.S. Patriot Act, so, so you've got this 1978 FISA Act that was approved, not, uh, uh, it was put forward by Ted Kennedy and eventually sponsored by nine other senators, signed by President Carter, who, who really made a mess of most things he touched, frankly. Uh, and no, those are there are those who disagree and who just love him and and all of that, and that's fine. I don't. I think he made a mess of our nation in many respects. Uh, is he a nice guy? Sure, probably a Christian. Yeah, teaches Sunday school or taught Sunday school in Plains, Georgia, until a year or two ago. Yes, he did. Lots of friends have been there. Very nice man by all accounts. That's great. But philosophically, he was a weakling, and. Uh, he was a woefully inadequate president. So we approved back then, 1978, this, this FISA uh, thing. And it was, uh, it was supposed to, to, to protect us and allow us this, this court for processing intelligence issues, overreach, and the like. It allows easy access for search warrants and it's it's you know espionage and and foreign criminal activity bad, uh, law abiding good, and that's great. But the problem right out of the gate is we already had a court system. The United States Constitution, actually, you can you can make a couple of arguments. You can make an argument on either side of this, but I would argue that the United States Constitution contemplates a United States Supreme Court and such inferior courts as as it as it deems necessary as congress deems necessary and and what they've deemed necessary for at this point back in 1978 just over 200 years or so is a couple of courts and there are some specialty courts there's a tax court there's a bankruptcy court you know about those and that's all fine there's some some, some sort of mercantile court a trade court in new york and that that's fine too those are those are specialty courts but the the primary courts if you've ever been in U.S. federal court. You've been in a district court, United States District Court. The country is carved up into districts. I want to say it's 67, but I'm probably wrong. It might be 57. But the U.S. is carved into these these districts. And and then if you lose or it doesn't go your way or you think somehow the, the law was misapplied or the process was incorrect, you can appeal to the U.S. Uh, Circuit Court of Appeals. And there are fewer of those courts. So you have at the base level, all courts start at all cases. And that's not entirely true either. Some cases can start in a higher court. But for the most part, cases start in the United States District Court. And then you appeal to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And then the final appellate authority is the United States Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court hears certain cases in, in when, the, when the, our country uh, goes against someone or or uh, another country or certain kinds of disputes can be heard 
on a, a de novo basis, on a, on a first basis at the United States Supreme Court, but most are heard, uh, most cases heard there are heard on appeal. So, so we create this new court called FISA, and it's designed to, to expedite, really. And lawyers, you, you feel free to, to correct me here, but um, it, was, it was really designed to, to tamp down privacy, widespread privacy violations by the federal government. And it required federal law enforcement to obtain authorization for gathering foreign intelligence information. And, and, and the, the whole issue of what's a foreign power and agents of foreign powers and all the rest were contemplated. So it was initially intended to limit government use of electronic surveillance, surveillance as I said earlier. So there, there's this, these investigations by uh, the, the, the domestic uh, of in, domestic intelligence activities. And these investigations were a response to, to initially Richard Nixon's use of federal resources, uh, including law enforcement agencies to spy on political and activist groups. So we did really back then what we uh, tend to do. We swing the pendulum back in the in the other direction and i i frankly like that about our 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 country uh, i like the way we we react to things we try to do what's right but but sometimes we swing the pendulum back the other direction too far and i think fisa does that so we allow certain things to happen without a court order and and then and then this FISA Act creates the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, and enables it to oversee requests for surveillance warrants by law enforcement, U.S. law enforcement and intelligence agencies. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is including included there the National Security Agency, and and uh, it's it's really designed to pursue suspects of foreign governments, foreign intelligence agents inside of the United States. Now, this court, you're going to learn the legal word here, a legal term, this court hears cases on an ex parte basis. That means there's one party there. So so this court hears evidence. It's a lot like a grand jury in that it hears evidence and decides whether or not the federal government has presented enough evidence to get a warrant. And pretty much, and I'm, I'm generalizing, the warrant is always granted pretty much by the FISA court. And there have been just very few cases that have arisen questioning the constitutionality of FISA. And there were there were two lower court decisions that have found FISA constitutional, uh, United States versus Duggan or Dugan, and the the uh, there, there's a whole case involving some Irish folks back then, but then there's United States versus Nicholson, which uh, had to do with evidence suppression, and and then there was there was another case uh, where the uh, Circuit Court of Appeals was involved, and and uh, uh, FISA is limiting the 
president's inherent authority for warrantless searches in the foreign intelligence arena. Uh, it was a sealed case. We don't know a ton about it, but we take for granted that the president does have the authority, this authority for uh, warrantless searches. And we take for granted the fact that FISA can't, can't intrude. Well, the U.S. Patriot Act comes along in 2001, and it was intended to do good things for us. It was intended to, you know, it formed uh, this, this Department of, of Homeland Security, combined agencies. It was intended to, it's, it's commonly called, it's a USA Patriot Act, commonly called the Patriot Act, and it, it was signed into law by President George W. Bush. And I frankly don't, I mean, I, I respect the Bush family to some degree, but, but he had his own issues. And, and this Patriot Act overreaches. It, it really allows, uh, it expanded surveillance. It, it, uh, it made interagency communication easier for uh, uh, all available resources in counterterrorism. Um, it increased penalties for terrorism crimes. And, and, it, and it's controversial because it, it's got this indefinite detention issue without trial. And, and it really changed FISA. That's, that's the reason I'm talking about it. It changed FISA altogether. And it allows the FISA court to rule on domestic individuals if there's any connection to foreign governments whatsoever then the FISA court can get involved. And my point in, in boring you with, with the judiciary summary of how the United States judiciary is structured a few minutes ago is, is just to say we already had an adequate court system. We didn't need to swing the pendulum, in my opinion. I'm sure there are those who disagree. So far in the other direction, creating this FISA court. We have this peculiar system where the chief justice of the United States Supreme Court appoints these justices. And, and so if it involves national intelligence or surveillance or espionage in the least, if it's even connected to it, then the FISA court gives, can, can award the warrant. In other words, law enforcement, federal law enforcement doesn't have to go through the old process, the pre 1978 process. In fact, they don't have to go through the pre 2001 process and, and they just broadened the scope of FISA through the U.S. Patriot Act. And I don't like it. I, I think it's, it's unconstitutional. Let's call it extra constitutional. And I know you can make the argument that the elastic clause stretches the Constitution under, under uh, Section 8, um, Article 1, and allows Congress to do anything necessary to pull the other laws. Well, I just think we get in trouble when we give the federal government this authority. I believe in limited government. Conservatives, you should agree with me. Not all conservatives do agree with me on this, but I, I don't like the fact that our federal government can spy on, on, on U.S. citizens. And so now we have this story, this Reuters story, on something like May 19th-ish of this year, 2023, that, that says that the FBI improperly searched for information in a U.S. database of foreign intelligence 278,000 times over several years, including on Americans suspected of crimes. 
I mean, I, 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 I don't dismiss the FBI as uh, I don't use these hyperbolic references to chastise the FBI. I think they, they are well intended, but they're like us. If you give us too much authority, then, then you get in trouble. You, you, you take it, you, you give, you give them enough rope and they take it because of their pursuit of the bad guys. They're not pursuing what they believe are good guys, but they're human and they get motivated politically and they go too far. Government has to be constrained. The constitution doesn't give the government its power. It constrains it. It limits it. It is designed to spell out government authority. And so I believe, and I'm, I want to ask Congress, not that, not that they listen to me, but I want to ask them to repeal FISA altogether and modify the U.S. Patriot Act. I'm all about our government keeping us safe. But I do not like this whole using FISA and all of these authorities to investigate January 6th people, the Capitol riots or, or the, the, the George Floyd situation and others this court ruling that I'm referencing found that the FBI violated rules around the use of this database created under section 702 of the FISA act with its searches. So this act leaves the door open and I'm not saying for bad guys necessarily, but for maybe zealous people inside the FBI to go too far. And they did the Durham report has, has been released. And that's, that's interesting that, that, that talks about the whole Russia hoax and the dossier. And, you know, you've heard enough about that. You're probably sick of it. But it is time for us to rein in the U.S. Patriot Act and eliminate, I believe, eliminate the FISA court altogether. And sadly, and you may have noticed this, our government doesn't usually, our Congress typically doesn't pull back on laws that are already passed. They don't modify them. They don't decrease their reach. They simply pass another one over the top of it. I found this in banking, that they, 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 they approve something, they, they want to regulate appraisals, for example, and so they have some laws that do that, and they say, oh, we haven't gone far enough, and they, they pass another bill and just layer right on top of it again and again. And sometimes they'll say this supersedes that, and I understand that, or this replaces that, but for the most part, they just layer more, more regulation on top of more regulation. Not only is it confusing, but it's not productive. And this, this FISA, this whole notion of this special court with justices appointed in peculiar ways so that we can deal with foreign intelligence threats, I think is, is a waste of resources. Not that anybody in government would agree with me, but it's a waste of resources and it, it allows this overreach that we see in this Reuters article about the FBI. And obviously the FBI did not immediately make itself available for comment. Now, if you look at, I'll tell you something interesting to look at, look at requests submitted and requests approved for warrants. Now I'm not an attorney. And so I, I don't know what the numbers look like for normal criminal cases. So I don't know if you looked at 
in your state or your county or whatever, if you looked for requests submitted versus requests for warrants approved, it might be a tight ratio. I'm, I'm not quite sure. But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what's really funny about this. If you look at all of the years that FISA has been in place, in that first year, 1979, there were 199 requests submitted, 207 were approved. I'm not sure how that works. How do you have more approved than submitted? Maybe they were held over from an earlier period. And you actually have that same thing uh, several years. More requests were approved than submitted. But you get to 1985. This is fascinating. Well, no, no. 1983, even. You have 549 requests uh, submitted and 549 are approved. Isn't that something? Every single time the federal government said, we'd like to have a warrant, the FISA court gave them a warrant. Then in 1984, same thing, 635 to 635. And then 587 in 1985, 587 were approved. In 1986, 573 were requested, were submitted, and 573 were approved. Uh, There's another column in this report for requests modified. Zero, year after year. There's one request modified in 1980. I mean, surely we have some questions and it needs to be modified, but nope, nope, request granted. 1988, 534, 534, and on and on it goes. And then there's an, there's an interesting thing that happens. In a, in a couple of years, you have one or two or six in 1999. Uh, you, we had 886 requests and 880 were approved, so six weren't approved. And then but I think they were probably approved in the year 2000 because you have more approved than requested. You have 1,005 requested and then 2012 approved. And so, so now we're, the numbers have moved up significantly. We started with 199, quickly moved into the five and 600s, kind of stayed there for a while through the 90s, through the Clinton years. We get to 2000 and we're at 1,005 and 1,012. And then listen to this, 2001, 932 were requested, 934 approved. I don't know what the timing issue is there. Four were modified. Then, then you have in 2002, 1,228 requested and approved. Then in 2003, you, you leap to 1,727. Boy, we're fighting the war on terror now. We're getting warrants for everything. 1,758 in 2004. 2005, 2,074, four times the initial 10-year average. And then 2,181, 2007, we're up to 2,371. Well, we are fighting the war on terror now. 2008, 2082. And then eventually we, we kind of settled down into the 1,500 average neighborhood, which is kind of where we've been. So it's really quite interesting. There's, there's this whole, you, you, got, you got to hear this. There's this whole secrecy thing. That it, says, it says, because of this secret, sensitive nature of its business, the court is a secret court. Its hearing or, hearings are closed to the public. While records of the proceedings are kept, they are also unavailable to the public. I don't like that. Government functions at the consent of the governed. We need to be very careful. I'm all about national security. I am pro 
military. I'm pro-intelligence agencies. I'm pro-law and order, pro-FBI. But I don't like this allowing them to do things in secret. I don't think it's necessary. I like the cleansing effect of sunshine. I like it. I don't like conflicts of interest. I don't like giving attorneys and judges the potential for conflicts of interest. I don't like covert operations of any kind. And I think our court, this FISA court is hiding behind that. And even if they don't know they are, I believe, I, 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 I believe that they are, they are uh, perhaps inadvertently operating in an environment where this cloak and dagger environment where they believe that somehow this is good for national security. I believe they have noble intentions, most likely. I know lots of bureaucrats who work in these jobs and they are generally dedicated people trying to do the right thing. And I don't care. I want checks and balances just the way the constitution prescribes them. I want them in my own life. You should want them in your life. I like church discipline, for example. I don't want to have to be disciplined. I don't want to do anything that deserves church discipline. But checks and balances are healthy in all aspects of our lives. So there's a, there, there have been all kinds of things that have happened. There, there's been uh, several uh, appellate uh, issues that have arisen from FISA. But there, there's a growing criticism of, of the court um, since uh, 2001, when the court just kind of took off the shackles and broadened the scope of, of this act and this court, the FISA court. And this notion of, of rubber stamping, FISA court says, no, no, we don't do that. But, but there have been several letters written to elected representatives saying, yeah, this court does just rubber stamp whatever is requested. And I, I think an attorney's send me an email correcting me if I've got this wrong, but I bet the request submitted for warrants in the normal course uh, in a normal, normal criminal law are much higher than requests granted for warrants. And, and I want that to be the case because I want law enforcement to be aggressive, but I want the courts to hold them in check to ensure that we have Liberty. So, you know, there's this balancing act in the United States and you'll hear, you've heard me talk about this that we, we don't like secrets. We don't like governments operating in secret. This was one of the complaints that the colonists had about King George III. He's holding secret tribunals and trials. He's adjudicating people guilty at places that are far away where, you know, read the Declaration of Independence, you'll see it. it, it Thomas Jefferson writes that, that you know, you're holding these courts and tribunals and you're finding us guilty and you're, and you're, and you're, you're declaring uh, these all these sentences without due process. We want due process. We love in this country due process and checks and balances. We like the cathartic impact of sunshine on our governmental practices. I know some of you are thinking, well, I work for intelligence agencies and and we can't we can't we just can't do that. We have to do some cloak and dagger stuff. Okay, fine. But I want it to be scrutinized in the sunshine to the extent possible. I don't want to give away the nuclear codes. I don't want to I don't want to compromise intelligence any more than we have to, but I would say when in doubt, take it to the press. Let the press have it. Let the press write about it. The beauty of the first amendment is that it is the first amendment, not that it's more important than the others, but but 
we we have a free press in this country for a reason. Congress, I know it wouldn't be popular. You'd be thought of as wimpy if you did this. But I would love it if you would evaluate the U.S. Patriot Act and its real efficacy today. I don't like Guantanamo Bay. I, I understand that. Well, where do we put these people? Well, you know, I'm not sure how much good that place has done, if I'm frank. And, and I worry that we've overreached with it. I worry about the efficacy of all these warrants. I mean, I'm not seeing us really winning the war on terror. Now, have we had another big attack in the United States? No, that's because we shored up our airline process. That's, that's because we, we now have a good, good screening process. And I, I like that. I don't think that takes away our rights. We have to take our shoes off, our belts off, and whatever else, walk through scanners. That's great. But, but this court operating privately, secretively, is just inconsistent with who we are. Even having this court, and I know, I understand Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution, and I know Congress can, can, can establish inferior courts as necessary, but is it really necessary? It leaves us open for abuses. We're living that right now. Read the Durham report. I'm not a partisan in this battle, but read the Durham report. And you look at political foes and how this act, FISA, can allow political foes to to leverage facts and half-facts and truths and half-truths against a political party or a political candidate, and we should all cringe. I don't like January 6th and what happened a couple of years ago. I don't like it at all. I think it was wrong. I don't like a president saying that the elections weren't fair, that they were rigged and they cheated and so on, when they didn't, and they didn't. With all due respect to my far-right friends, elections aren't perfect in this country, but they're run by the states, and they're run pretty well. There's been no proof of wrongdoing. Go ahead and chastise me on social media, if you will. But I like all of the freedoms that we have. I like the checks and balances. I think we have fair and free elections. I want them to be more fair. I want them to be more free. I want to improve methodologies. That's all fine. But I think we can either repeal the U.S. Patriot Act altogether or now that we've adjusted our bureaucracy to have a a Department of Homeland Security, let's just tweak it so that it doesn't continue to allow the abuses in the FISA court that seem to be occurring. I could have in this episode named political opponents of various people who've been unfairly arrested, who've had their homes searched, who've, who've had all kinds of search and seizure of all sorts of assets. And, and, and look, it's just wrong. We are, we are a free land. We value liberty, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to have some liberty, yes, we give up some liberties, but my goodness, the government functions at the consent of the governed. So that's my two cents on FISA. I hope that's helpful. This U.S. Patriot Act is, is, is wonderful in a sense. It, it, it restored our confidence rather quickly. It uh, reminds me of some of the, 
the war on drugs and the and the requirements in the financial system. Uh, there, there are all kinds of things that our financial system has to do that I'm not going to talk about here because it's not appropriate. But uh, there's all sorts of reporting that happens, and there's there's there are lists of suspicious characters, and in addition to the no fly list, and 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 that's all that's all wonderful. But but we should all care about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This wonderful freedom that we enjoy. I too am thankful for God's grace, God's grace and mercy. You can't really have an honest conversation about liberty in the United States without talking about God's favor on this great land. How wonderful is that? We are a blessed nation. I hope we will repent and turn back to the cross of Jesus Christ if you don't know what that means, if you say, wow, this guy, now, he, now he's gone from politics to religion, I hope you'll contact me. I'd love to explain the hope that lies within me. I'd love to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to you, our great hope in him, regardless of what the Congress does. Our great hope in Christ is wonderful and sustaining. So thank you for stopping by. Thank you for listening to this episode, for supporting this effort. I hope you'll share this um, uh, this episode of Relentless Truth with your friends. Uh, share it on social media. Uh, tag me, copy me, if you would. Uh, your comments are encouraging. Uh, thank you for supporting this work. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Go to johnwarrenmedia.com for more information about our work, including our sponsor, CFS Financial. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.